Hello everyone, and welcome back to Video Games of the Worst Thing on Earth. Uh, I am your host, Alton. With me, as always, is Reese. Whoop whoop. And today we have a very special episode of the pod. We are interviewing uh, David Webb, a.k.a. Calestia. Hello, David. Yeah, I'm David Calestia, make socialist leftist games. Um, we'll be referring to him as Video Game Man from now on, from this point in the pod. <laughs> Uh, but we wanted to talk to David because uh, recently you have just released your latest, uh, and some would say greatest, uh, magnum opus of socialist video games. I would say greatest. It's definitely one of my favorites, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so it's called A Bewitching Revolution, um, and basically you play as a communist witch who goes to a sort of late capitalist sci-fi cyberpunk city and gets everyone to start unionizing and organizing and yeah taking back the city so i i really enjoy this this seems to have the art style kind of borrowed from daydreams in red and i'm just curious um if that was kind you wanted to do more with that and kind of what your general the genesis of your inspiration came was uh, yeah, so in, like, the art style, um, Daydreams, Daydreams in Red was kind of just a, an art test for this, um, mm. uh, which had some other, other stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I realized that like, I couldn't practically sort of make a whole series of new game environments for like every single thing I was putting out, so I decided to just uh, reuse them over and over again. <laughs> uh, this is also uh, a lot more fleshed out. What what made you turn to the idea of the, the communist witch? Uh, well, I think I read Caliban and the Witch by Sylvia Federici, um, which is, yeah, great book, um, all about how the, the witch trials and witch hunts were sort of foundational violence of capitalism in the same way as, like, the slave trade and the enclosures um, and the dispute of indigenous communities and that kind of thing. So I'd read mm -hmm. that and thought it was, thought it was fascinating. Um, and at the same time, I'd been thinking of how you could use sort of magical language as a way of sort of putting across like really quick changes in the urban environment or like really mm. quick changes in political organizing or that kind of thing. Um, and yes, yeah, so I thought that was a, it was a good sort of shorthand and aesthetic to use to, to look into these ideas. Interesting. So my question, I think, is very important. And is this in the Harry Potter cinematic universe? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I have a follow-up. Uh, would the main character of A Bewitching Revolution uh, guillotine Harry Potter for being a cop? I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are like horrors, right? You know, yeah, it's like <laughs> wizard FBI, basically. Yep. <laughs> Which somehow they all love. Yeah, they just they everyone in Harry Potter just fucking loves cops. I guess Hogwarts is basically Harvard or something. So, mm. <laughs> probably what if you much. went to a wizard community college? Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> wizard trade school. <laughs> there is a moment in the books where, like, the caretaker 
doesn't have a lot of magical talent, but he's still taking like night courses and using magic, and they treat him like an absolute piece of shit for doing <laughs> yeah, so. True. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So now we have two competing visions of a wizard future, one from the sort of neoliberal side, as represented by J.K. Rowling, and one from uh, our dear friend Celestia showing us that uh, a better wizard future is possible. But I, I, I really liked the use of kind of magic to have these kind of quick um, images, like removing the anti-bird spikes, um, being able to transform the cops the pigs uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's there, there's yeah, a lot of awesome. great moments and then there's the moments where uh you kind of meet up with the different people and they they basically plead with you to to help fix their unbearable oppression under capital and you have the arrow decks that kind of just have these like sketch out these quick socialist concepts um in combination with just like you go up and every cat you interact with also has a, a little nugget of wisdom. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just basically, you know, for any listener who uh, is might be yet unconvinced to play the game, I want to give like a, a more full sketch to the to the whole concept because uh, it's really short and really compelling with a lot of a lot of these different elements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Um, I guess yeah, one thing which I tried to do with like the tarot readings in particular was kind of make it as though like it, it isn't just you as the sort of hero of this narrative coming in and like saving the, the city or saving the community or that kind of thing. Because yeah, I, I was concerned that like these kinds of narratives of social change in games, it's often either like the really abstract kind of system driven top-down RDS city builder type thing, mm -hmm. or it's just like the one heroic character sort of saving the day. Um, and Duke so, yeah, Nukem is going to liberate yeah. the city. <laughs> <laughs> I've come here to chew bubble gum and liberate the working classes. <laughs> and I'm all out of gum. <laughs> I mean, that does sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Duke Nukem's not nearly woke enough for that, I'm afraid. No. <laughs> oh man, Duke Nukem's really chilled out in his old age, you know, he, <laughs> he couldn't get around as much anymore, and he picked up Capital, and it's, uh... <laughs> Went up to Rojava. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of, of Duke Nukem fighting for the YPG is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the one thing I did like about it was, even though the start, you know, has this magical style, uh, you you get into some very concrete ideas with the tarot readings and the things that you discuss. Um, and I would, when reading reviews of the game, I I even read one review that is just like, I am strongly against communism, but I have to applaud and engage with the like very real concepts that he's talking about here and i think that the fact that somebody who is so clearly you know upset by the very idea of communism <laughs> couldn't go what about 100 million dead like just at the start of his review i think is a massive success where's the magic spell to make the gulags <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, well, this is this is an aside, but I think one of my proudest achievements out of this has to be um, I got subtweeted by the editor of the National Review, who, oh yeah, basically made that point. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you'll have to link the tweet or I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll track it down, too. I. That sounds amazing. As Twitter broke brain, as Twitter broke brains, that's right up our alley. <laughs> uh, but yeah, go with the with the tarot readings. I did try to sort of, yeah, make it sort of as as like direct, clear language as possible to sort of present all these like contradictions. Which yeah, if you just lay them out in plain language, how, how mm-hmm. could anyone disagree with it? Like the fact that there will always be more unemployed people than there are available jobs. Like. Capitalist economists know this. Everyone kind of knows that this is the case, but somehow there's still like the cognitive dissonance that like being unemployed is a failure and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's the concept that like, oh, you know, we don't think capitalism is good. We just think it's the best system we have. Which is <laughs> yeah. just one yeah. of my favorite little, my favorite little liberal mind tricks. Yeah. <laughs> It's like we are taking the noble stance of doing nothing. <laughs> but speaking of doing stuff, is you, you get those tarot readings, and then you know the next step down the path is that you're actually making people's mm-hmm. lives demonstrably better. The probably my fa- my second favorite moment is that that moment where this guy's like, ah, I'm I'm homeless. And you're just like, ha buddy, let me break into this house and make it <laughs> yours for you. And it's just like, compared to like a thousand things I do in video games, I haven't felt better than, yeah, <laughs> start, start a fucking, <laughs> your own mini, uh, you know, press there. I, it's awesome. Um, so it, it's a good balance of the kind of education and then through the game mechanics, having that experience of maybe what making the world better could feel like through socialism, very specifically. Mm. Yeah, those kind of, like, directly demonstrable things, which done tomorrow, which would, like, markedly improve people's lives. Now, as but, a mechanical I, I, engineer, I must say that there was one <laughs> segment of the game which I found pretty uh, grievous and appalling, is that uh, at one point you broke uh, a city water main in order to give water for some ducks? I mean, That's I'm correct. I'm all for the ducks, <laughs> but I'm just saying that you know, damaging. Si- <laughs> Sorry, that was that was the cops' water. <laughs> yeah. It, oh my god! No, I'm not going to make a joke about the chemicals in the water. <laughs> that idea was, I think, one of the like first sort of little vignettes I thought of, like way before I had the sort of overall concept for the game. Um, mm-hmm. Because I I'd been like reading some like Marxist occultist stuff and that kind of thing, um, which was all sort of about how like, like a goddess of the city today would operate through like broken locks and smashed pipes and all those sorts of like little bits of like urban infrastructure, mm-hmm. um, which sort of keep, keep things flowing rather than operating through like, I don't know, tree roots or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's great for the ducks, but they're going to have to issue a boil water notice now that there's a <laughs> there's a <laughs> plant going into the pipe. It's magic plants. <laughs> I know, I'm just being a pedantic little shit. <laughs> but yeah, going back to something you said earlier about how 
In a lot of video games, the focus is on you. I, one thing I did actually really like about this game, and that you expressed very well, is that your actions, they have like these ripples across like the community, and you can see directly what they did, even though like all you did was basically talk to people. And I think that in terms of like socialist organizing, I think that that's like way more realistic than the Duke Nukem game where you uh, go kill bankers and cops. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I I think one of the things I'm most proud of with the game is that like it, it feels like it's kind of the first time I've haven't just like told a Marxist story in a game, but I've like told a story in a Marxist way. Mm-hmm. Um where it is sort of you see people sort of like slowly forming as a class of workers in this fast food place or slowly mm. forming as a class of unemployed people and then sort of undertaking actions based on that where yeah it's not just the player magically fixing everything <laughs> i think that's very refreshing even just as like its own game even removed from you know the context of uh, the agitprop, I guess, is that the idea of like influencing people and sort of educating and inspiring them, it's fun. And, yeah. and the use of gameplay mechanics to to pull that off, I think, is your previous games have been very fun and engaging, but in the balance of kind of like the education in the game, maybe education was tipping a little heavier in most yeah, of them. Yeah. Um, and this one, I feel like the balance is uh, a lot more perfected. Yeah, thank you. Do we mention you can turn cops into pigs? That's a pretty big point in this game's favor. There's one part that I, I, I don't want to spoil, but it's so good. It's, it's the culmination of the potion mixing game. You drink a potion, you become gritty, and you destroy the city. Exactly. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one question I wanted to ask you was, seems like you have some help, you know, in music and other things, but you're kind of a one-man band in terms of game development, is that correct? Uh, like, that's been the case up to now, but um, definitely sort of leading more into collaborations now. Okay, that's awesome. Um, well, one, one thing uh, I wanted to ask you about was there's a kind of a reputation among a lot of uh, game devs of especially those who work on their own of not dealing with the art aspect or the style aspect correctly I've heard programmer art as a as a term used uh, fairly regularly reading like game dev and like you know need need to get your own assets or whatever I think personally that you've managed to create a pretty interesting style for yourself and I'm curious when you're thinking about how to present a game artistically and stylistically. How do you approach it, and what are some of your in? Uh, well, this this might be like pulling back the curtain <laughs> too much, but I can I can tell you my like three steps to to make my art style. All right, let's hear it. Uh, so number one, find some picture which you kind of like the look of. Number two, feed that into one of the like online color scheme generators to get a couple of key basic colors number three find maybe like two or three uh see i don't even know the terms it's secondary colors something like that to to -hmm. highlight particular elements and then number four like 
draw as heavily on free assets as possible <laughs> and just try and hide them under layers of post-processing effects. Nice. That's legit, though. It works. <laughs> well, I guess, like, on the, the whole programmer art type thing, um, I'm very much of the view that, like, use pre-made assets as much as possible, use free assets as much as possible. Um, there's no way here one per... I mean, I'm sure there are people who are freakishly talented like that, but generally no way that you can like master all of those different skills so mm. just just get mm -hmm. the game done it's like us where you know there's the, the key skill of podcasting and then there's being able to live as a productive member of society no one can master both <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's baby steps <laughs> i think there's a couple of things that i want to get into I know I brought up, like, a list. Let me see if I can find it. While Alton's bringing up this list, um, I would have to say there's one note of what I didn't like about the game. You mm. can't pet the cat. Oh, snap. Very true. Very true, actually. And uh, that's why it, it bumps it down from the <laughs> highest score we can give a game, 7 out of 10. It was 6.9 out of 10. Nice. <laughs> No, you're going to get harassed and doxxed for all of that. Oh, no. <laughs> all of my rabid fans will be coming in and demanding <laughs> why I didn't get the coveted seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think the only thing I can actually find that I brought up was talking about, like, some of the, the world-building features around are sort of unexplained. There's, like, the synapse and... Um, like this headset thing that you can buy. It's never really explained what that is in the game. Basic idea was that was going to be a sort of whole extended kind of depressing cyberpunk world building type side thing, which mm -hmm. just got like way too large in scope. So I just <laughs> pretty much entirely removed. But yeah, the basic idea was uh, it was going to be that like this was a way of sort of like harnessing your synaptic energy that is operating while you're sleeping, sort of harnessing that and then being paid for it. And then there would be services where you could go and get your fortune told for a, a very high price, mm -hmm. um, which was powered by this synaptic energy. So it would be the futures of the rich being told, powered by the dreams of the poor. Interesting. So like looking around through the game, uh, that's interesting because there are other, I think a lot of other things sort of have like parallel competing systems. So like you see like the capitalist version of something and then you replace it with the socialist version of it. So there's the, uh, for instance, there is the job office where mm. these job applications are sent out in like these little uh, paper ships. And then you have that, you replace that with like paper ships that you get, that get sent to like the witch's home. And then those guide you to where the people wanting their fortune told are. Yeah, yeah, that that was pretty much the idea there. That it's sort of uh, you're receiving these sort of genuine prayers and desires of the people of the city to like not want to starve and not want to waste their lives in some shitty dead end job. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the sort of unemployment office, yeah, people are being forced to sort of put forward fake desires and prayers for applications for shitty jobs. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty more like the, the fast food industry versus like the community kitchen 
but I thought that that was very interesting showing like showing that there are like alternatives. I I did want to sort of suggest yeah like parallels particularly between like the sort of magical elements of the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, late capitalist versions of that magic. So I think there are, there are like some random ads around for services where you can go and get a hex which clears away your debt um, and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, I saw that. And as you complete kind of like each little area, um, you can kind of see a, a different alternative merge and kind of like you as the player can decide like, well, which, which world would you rather live in? You know, sure, maybe you're not gonna get Burger King, but uh, <laughs> is that? Can you? Oh, can where you will I get my depression that? burgers now? <laughs> Banks, which of the city? God, <laughs> I can't even go get an angry burger to f- feel bad about it. But yeah, I I thought that that was really interesting. Is that you know, like that first space that you walk into, like later in the game, it's like a it's like a meeting place, and it just feels like a more lively area and i think you know you remove all of those fucked up advertisements personally just like the removal of ads is such an improvement to any space so i thought it was very interesting to see that kind of like portrayed very specifically that's interesting so i can't remember where but on one podcast i heard somebody describing living in a communist country as being like having ad block in real life so that's very appropriate. <laughs> well, yeah, as someone whose Firefox has been like completely broken over the past couple of days, um, I can confirm that the internet is horrible without Apple. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else that we can talk about with uh, Witch of the City? I'm hesitant because I want anyone listening to play it, and mm. I don't want to spoil some of the most exciting telling bits. That's true always do a sort of spoiler section let's do a do you want to do a spoiler section let's do a spoiler section all right spoilers after this i'll add a timestamp where you could go back and not have spoilers but it's 40 minutes long so just fucking go play it it's on steam it's uh a bewitching revolution you can look for it on itch.io where all games are sold and it's free Gabe newell is taking 35 percent of your (laughs) zero dollars you're charging yeah (laughs) i'm a little curious about the process about getting a game on steam uh from your perspective before we get into spoilers like it is very involved and very like it it feels like a process which was developed in 2007 and has just been iterated (laughs) on since and never rewritten which is what it is (laughs) all the documentation and stuff is so like, it sort of gives you clear steps for how to go through things, but then if one of those steps doesn't work, you're kind of just completely in the weeds. Like, I think I needed to get in contact with Steam support at least, like, three or four times with sort of, like, wow. different parts of Steam support and that kind of thing. Because, like, there are a series of approval processes and then the game was out, but no download link was appearing on the screen and all sorts of other issues. So, like... Theoretically heavily automated, but heavily automated in a way which actually meant you needed to rely on direct consumer support <laughs> a lot. Nice. <laughs> Best of both worlds. What a great company and a great service for the online <laughs> industries. All right, so spoilers after this. You've been warned. 
Go play it. The first spoiler we're going to talk about is how you kill Harry Potter in the video game. <laughs> it's working for the bourgeois. He says voting for labor is anti-Semitic. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. I mean, up. he would be fine with destroying all the sewage, right? All the, all the pipes. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Uh, that, that was a roundabout callback to that whole uh, Hogwarts not having plumbing until the, the Oh my so. fucking god! I, almost, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. He just disappears <laughs> the poop in his pants. Yep. Oh, the idea of wizards just shitting themselves. It's... <laughs> is the reason why that series needs to be taken away from J.K. Rowling immediately. Like, it, it, it's, like it's like that meme that, that people have been posting where it's like, nobody, J.K. Rowling, wizards shit themselves <laughs> and then disappear their shit. <laughs> oh my god. No, no one was asking. <laughs> That's probably the most entertaining thing to come out with the Harry Potter franchise in a while. Yeah, it, seriously. <laughs> For real, though. Man, that's like a that's one hundred percent like a notch situation, where the, yes. <laughs> the uncountable wealth has just literally bored itself into her brain. I don't know how that like how this happens to like ordinary people. It's like when they get tons and tons of money, it just breaks them. Anyway, we've talked about it in another podcast. Let's get back to let's get back to talking about this this video game. Oh, I got a genuine charge the end of the game after you do like the potion making stuff mm-hmm. and then you come back and you got like oh where the the revolution is happening um and you get you get the potion for the revolution and it's how to make a molotov cocktail hell yeah like, you could see, I, you could see in that let's play i did right just went like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was generally like an uh, like an awesome moment of like transferring from the like all right, we're going to create the healing spell. Here's the... I forget what the other thing you mix is. I think there's one that makes people go and spray the cameras? Yes, yeah. (laughs) It's like I never saw anyone use those potions, so I was like, what does it do? And I didn't follow them, so I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that was the part which probably needed a fair bit more iteration on the design, but Mm. yeah, Also, what is I, I? Sorry to interrupt the discussion about the spoilers, but what is the mechanical benefit of, of put planting all the trees? I mean, other than saving the environment, I, but you know, like what, what treats does it give you? Do I get treats? Uh, I think if you pick the fruit off the trees, it mm. then sort of like distributes that fruit all across the city and oh, right, changes right. up how a couple of the people move around. Like they start going down to the the sort of like Sabbath area, uh, rather oh, okay. than going up to the, like the fast food. Um, yeah, that was also something which <laughs> probably should have been made a bit clearer. I just thought the witch was just fucking eating all that fruit, just like um, nom, <laughs> nom, just powered by <laughs> just eating an entire tree worth of fruit. <laughs> no, but something that I really liked about it, though, um, like you say that it needs more iteration, but I liked kind of those little bits, those moments of discovery. Mm. Um, like, I think adds a lot to the world that you're building to this real, uh, like a real emotional climax of the revolution, even though like the name's right there in the title. You know, you feel really invested in the city when you're going down that route where you're like having to dodge all the cops and <laughs> 
that kind of big moment. I think having that kind of that mis- more mysterious growth in the city added a lot to it. <laughs> I, I was try- trying to go for the kind of thing where, like, not every action you take has a sort of direct direct outcome or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you're sort of just generally trying to help people out in this environment and that will generally lead to people being helped and helping themselves um, without sort of that direct, like, one-to-one relationship of, like, you click this button and that solves this part of the city. But at the same time, I think there are some bits which are a a bit too opaque. (laughs) I don't know if there's a direct result to putting up all the solar panels, but personally I was just like, fuck yeah, no more ads. Well, yeah, I wanted to include those sorts of things where it's just sort of directly makes the city better without necessarily having a sort of... Mechanical. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you designed it wrong because it's supposed to be a Skinner box that you push the button and you get a treat. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you want to keep pushing the button, you have to buy this $199 revolution packs. (laughs) Yeah, so you got to be able to... You gotta play for 35 hours so you can buy the synapse thing so the game mm-hmm. will idle and earn you currency while you're offline <laughs> by secretly mining bitcoin oh there there we go <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i was gonna say it would be interesting if you could make like the the anti-revolutionary game that just like instead of showing you that thing, things could be better just like how absolutely terrible things could become instead. But then I remember that AAA video games exist, and they're practically that already, so... <laughs> well, before I started working on the, the Karl Marx-themed game, which, mm-hmm. I, yeah, we, we could say it. We'll probably have announced it by the time the, the podcast comes out. Karl Marx Pro Skater. Um, mm-hmm. Before we started working on that, I was actually trying to make a game which was using all of the kind of depressing world-building ideas, which were, like, too depressing to include in Bewitching Revolution. <laughs> mm. Which might still happen. I don't know. Well, there's you did leave the possibility in for a sequel. Right at the end of the game, it's like, ah, my work here is done. There are other cities that need our help. Well, and actually, like... Saying, asking before about the whether this was part of the Harry Potter universe. Um, <laughs> it is part of an extended universe of my games. Because, yeah, like, uh, so Daydreams in Red is set in the same the same environment. There's a reference to Croatan, another one of my games, which sort mm-hmm. of sets it up in the same world. Um, and, yeah, maybe, maybe some future games. Nice. When will there be a crossover of Witch in the City and Karl Marx Pro Skater? I should totally have that as a like a extra playable character, a special unlock. The model is just like a cat with a witch hat on a broomstick that it's like the same <laughs> uh, controls as like the yeah. the skater. Uh, I love that. <laughs> I swear this this whole pro skater game is just going to be designed on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome oh, man. Well, since we're talking spoilers, I just wanted to ask about specifically about the ending and about what was your vision for that moment when revolution happens. Uh, yeah, well, I guess it was kind of what you were saying before that um, there's this idea that like you have been doing all of these like particular tasks up to this point, uh, 
uh, making the potions and spreading the trees and like opening locked doors and that kind of thing. And then the ending segment is kind of like you do very little in that. You just kind of walk around and watch as people in the city are like doing all of these radical activities. So I really wanted to sort of like have a kind of revolutionary climax, but again, like not in that way of you are leading the revolution so much as like the revolution is happening around you. I think most games would be super tempted to have that one kind of climactic moment where you have the like mega spell Mm. where you like obliterate all the cops and just like a cloud of bacon. But I think it's very interesting. (laughs) It's very interesting that you specifically made it about the the people that you were helping. Well, yeah, like if it's if it's tied to just like the sort of individual hero narrative of your your character, then like what's going to happen in the city after you leave? Presumably, Mm. things things fall apart. But yeah, if it's this sort of you can kind of see that this like uh, alternate communal ethos has kind of developed over the course of the game. are probably going to be fine unless the u.s comes in (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just like uh there's oil inside the fucking fucking, i don't know the owls have the oil (laughs) gotta invade the u.s is just grinding up the magic owls into oil (laughs) jesus christ and that's a perfect idea for the depressing world-building game. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anything else? Well, we can talk about the interlude for a second. Interlude's all about the experience of just the 10 minutes that you have with it, so I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty, but uh, what is the interlude? It's a game kind of set in the moment in like a, a crime thriller or a political thriller or something like that, where... It's just before the like climactic meeting is about to happen. So you're just playing as someone sitting in a car in an abandoned parking lot, yeah, waiting for this meeting, which is going to happen 10 minutes or so away. And yeah, it's just a question of how do you use that time? Like you can fiddle around on your phone, you can listen to the radio um, as the sort of the, the tension all ramps up over the course of the game. This is probably quite crude, but can you jerk it so right? You cannot. <laughs> That's you don't DLC. have a body in this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we move on from uh, Witch of the City, I just wanted to read one of my favorite uh, salt nuggets ever. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the review? Yes, this is uh, one of the few, the only negative review on the page right now. Not recommended, 0.4 hours on record. This game is designed to promote socialism and demonize capitalism. Disguised as a witch game, your objective is to find cards. Every set of cards you find portrays capitalism as evil and encourages the player to unite with others against it. Which is just like, (laughs) it's not inaccurate. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, very amusing to me that it's just like, what I'm used to a lot of the times from like, uh, far-right criticism is mostly just lying. Uh, and this is just like, I'm describing it accurately and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> just like, uh, fair enough, I guess. 
they're not saying I did anything wrong. I like got all my points across. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so great. They just like there's no misunderstanding here. Yep, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean, of course, there is the one inaccuracy that you're not finding cards. You're going out and reading people's futures. You know, you're not collecting the cards. That's uh, something of a misunderstanding. <laughs> Maybe you should make a socialist uh, card collector game. Actually, I like yeah, the I, idea that uh, it's so baked into his skull that he can't see cards without the idea that they must be collected. <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine a world. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. I like. I have been thinking I should just yeah use all those tarot cards for for some other card game because got it, got all the assets there, and mm-hmm. as we've established, I just like to reuse everything that I've made. So, socialist Yu-Gi-Oh. Part of the marks, guide me. It's time to dialectical. This might be too copyright infringing to get away with. We got yonks of great ideas. Not all of them are practical. I need a game jam idea. Have you thought about making socialism? What? Think about it. You cut out. I, 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 Have you thought about making socialism... socialism for your video game? <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about... No, what I said was, have you thought about making socialism anime? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm pretty sure last time I was on the board, we were talking about the, like, socialist dating game. Oh, yeah. That's why I brought it up, is that that was our other big idea, other than... <laughs> I mean, I would love that. I unironically think it would be a great game concept, but uh, yeah. speaking of socialist anime, I think China already did that. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Karl Marx anime. <laughs> I've not watched it yet, but it, I'm sure it would be interesting. Educational, at least. Sure. <laughs> Maybe. I hope that they do the thing where like the animes are just like wildly inaccurate based off the thing that they say they're based off of. <laughs> like Karl Marx is like fighting a twenty foot high giant monster in a robot suit by like the end of it, <laughs> and that somehow represents capitalism. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, dope. I have a feeling it's a bit more grounded than that, unfortunately. Uh, speaking of giant robots, can you make? Uh, this is just a personal request. Personal request. Can you make uh, Armored Core again? For the PC. <laughs> I just really like that game, you know, and. I just... <laughs> Well, look, with uh, working on Karl Marx Pro Skater now, I am realizing how hard it is to recreate those old games. Like, there are so <laughs> many, so many little sort of design tweaks and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, which just, like, need to be there to make it even slightly playable. But you wouldn't notice <laughs> unless they're not there. Right. <laughs> Speaking of, um, I, we, we talked about it a little bit, but I think we need to outright say the... The game that we talked about as a goof you're actually making now. <laughs> yes, it looks yes. amazing. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, Karl Marx Pro Skater. Uh, I think current idea is it's going to be probably just one level of you skating around a kind of like Wall Street style financial hub. Might have a kind of like IMF World Bank type area as well. Oh, nice. um, you go around sort of, I don't know, skate down like a... Stock ticker to cause a stock stock market crash. 
uh, instead of going around collecting skate, we're thinking you got to go around and collect socialism. Awesome. Nice. You should have a move <laughs> where you fucking bash parking meters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, yeah, totally have to have the, like, skateboard skateboard bashing move. Yeah. There's this video from uh, Flea Market Socialist where he gets, like, stirring sticks and attaches coins to it with tape. And he just went around these parking meters just, like, sticking in the coin and, like, pulling it back and forth to give infinite uh, time <laughs> on the meter. And then, like, leaving little Christmas envelopes on, like, the, the windshield of the car with, with that plastic tool, which nice. I thought was very That's interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is good practice. But, yeah, so we could talk more about... Uh, Tony Hawk's, uh, no, not Tony Hawk's, Karl Marx pro socialism. No, no, that's uh, that's trademarked. Yeah, we have to get yeah. his permission <laughs> first. <laughs> oh, he, like, apparently he doesn't own the rights anymore. Oh, really? Um, Jesus. Yeah, Activision owns the rights, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his fucking name. <laughs> yep. So, gotta call up Bobby Kodak. I'm, I'm sure he'll be very. Very open to a socialist-themed skating game. Oh, hell, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. It's like, oh, of course we'll fund it. Uh, how do you feel about microtransactions, David? The podcast you were on that helped inspire it uh, just recently put art of Bobby Kotick looking like the devil. I'm sure he's going to love, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that that has made it back to him somehow. He knows. He knows about it because apparently... Did you hear... It was like an article where he was doing an interview and he talked about how it's hard for him to get a date because his his like date will Google him <laughs> and the first result is like a picture of him with devil horns, <laughs> which is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I guess it's really early days for uh, Karl Marx pro-socialism. So I guess there's not much you can... I don't know if there's much you can tell us about it yet. Uh, yeah, not not too much more. Like, we're pretty much at the stage of we've got the, the sort of basic skate controls done. Mm-hmm. Um, although, yeah, like, we're hoping for a <laughs> relatively quick turnaround. Um, I've probably just horribly jinxed us by saying <laughs> that. I think, yeah, we're pretty much at the stage where it's just sort of level design of the actual the actual level and some tweaking of the controls. So, yeah, hopefully it shouldn't be that long. And you're working on some, some music with a, a local band, something like that? Yeah. Um, well, actually, yeah, one, one of my housemates and some, some of our friends, my housemate who uh, did the music for the interlude. Uh, I, yeah, we're, we're trying to get the sort of trifecta of Tony Hawk game genres, the whole, like, early noughties pop rock, early noughties pop punk, and early noughties hip hop. Nice. That's awesome. All anti-capitalist. <laughs> well, that's fucking amazing. I, I cannot wait for this game to come out. A key experience of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is like just getting really into the soundtrack as you, you do mm. the tricks and stuff, so I'm glad that you're focused on that element. Um, mm. And I liked the songs in the interlude, so I'm very curious to hear uh, where you go with that. Well, one of the songs, that, probably the most thought out of the songs at the moment, um, is going to be about someone working in a video store late at night, um, and Karl Marx appears to them and has some things to say. Oh my goodness! I I cannot wait to hear this. Like it is, it is basically just um, 
makes no difference by some 41 but <laughs> as, as someone who used to manage a video store i am personally invested nice <laughs> so i guess if there's anything else we can talk about we can do that now or we can wrap things up i think we've covered all the things that uh i wanted to we've promoted uh, a bewitching revolution so everyone should go check that out uh we've talked about uh the interlude which i have not played which i guess i'll do after uh this podcast um and last week we've uh i guess we haven't announced it but we've talked about uh your latest game uh karl marx pro socialism which is gonna be amazing it's maybe the announcement uh depends whether we get our act together <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think uh, I think we're good. You guys should definitely listen, uh, or rather, play a bewitching revolution. It's it, it's a good experience. It's real. It's very short. It's like forty five minutes, and I felt like I ex- thoroughly explored everything. So check it out. Yes, we will link it, and we also will link your Patreon, so that we can have even more delightful socialist video games to talk about in the future. Oh, man. I mean, the more more money I start making with this, the harder I'll have to start working. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, David, a.k.a. Celestia, where can people find you online? So I'm on Twitter mainly as uh, at Celestia3. Um, all of my games are available for free on itch.io. If you just, it might be like Celestia.itch.io, something like that. Uh, yeah, I've got a Patreon. I think that's just Celestia. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, so Bewitching Revolution is up on Steam as well for, for free download. And a YouTube channel where I post occasionally game-related things and mostly just other <laughs> random shit posts. Hell yeah. All right, Reese, where can people find you on the internet if they don't know by now? You can find me on Twitter, at your very good bud. Also on Twitch, I start streaming sometimes at your very good bud. Um, and you can check out my YouTube channel, which is in my uh, link in the bio of my Twitter profile, where I do a let's play of uh, Bewitching Revolution if you are too lazy to actually play video <laughs> games and just want to listen to people talk about them. Uh, you can do that too. Hell yeah. That is my favorite let's play of the, of the game, by the way. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> All right, and you can find me at 8Alton8 on Twitter. You can find my YouTube channel at uh, Alton Plays, And you can find our official site for Vigatoto at videogamesaretheworst.pinecast.co. And you can check out the VODs on my channel. The official Twitter is at Vigatoto, where we post episode announcements and other various memes and shit. I have an entire folder of, like the most brain broken gamer memes possible that I have. I occasionally just go onto the main account and just tweet them out. So uh, definitely follow us there. If you would like to see those and uh, check out the interlude uh, on Celestia's itch.io page as well. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank everyone for listening. Uh, Go play those games. David, thank you very much for being on once again. Uh, thanks for having me on again. This is one of the three podcasts I listen to religiously. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor. It is. We'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Hello, again. It is time, that time again, to read the Patreonages. Oh, hell yes, it is that, that good time. The good that holy times. time. That holy time. The divine ascended time of Patreon. Alright, enough fucking around. Robert Miles, thank you. Thank you. Oh my fucking god. Do not use my pledge to buy Haram video games. I do not <laughs> consent. Otherwise known as Conky. Thank you. Conky. Hello. Thank you. Nate M. Number one. Thank you. I. I thank you. That's changed. Nate M. You're number one. You're number thank one. You. If you got to a toe, certainly. You are the only Nate M. Higgins the Seagull. Thank you. Thank you, Higgins. Nathan Melby. Thank you. Thank you. Tholos, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tholos, thank you. Yellow best if we're mispronouncing it. Yeah, we'll get it right eventually. Kyle Reederman, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Eggs, thank you. Tom Devan, the video game man, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Dissonant Dragon, thank you. Thank you, Dis. Brandon Carey, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And last but not least... Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Jordan, thank you so much. I can't wait to be on your uh, game shows, I suppose, for the third time. Hmm? Subjecting you to the worst game show of all time, which is a dog grooming game show. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about cock and ball torture. Uh, No, that is the best game show of all time. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.